Today, we're going to dig deeper into some specific part of, of the church. We're going to get that in a second, um, which is liturgy, really. And here, when we say liturgy, by the way, we know that from a young age, old age, we've all had challenges being part of the liturgy. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Um, young kids are too long. Even old people like us, too long. And we've had it in our life one time or another and have said that. And it's normal. But I'm going to tell you really how to, to get through that. You know, even thinking about my own experience in the past, I grew up, and I told you this many times, I grew up not living in America. I grew up actually living in Saudi Arabia. And I, I, I attended my elementary years in Saudi Arabia, and there was no church. So imagine, like, when you talk about liturgy, I didn't have a church. Okay, we had, like, other things, but we didn't have the Coptic church or Orthodox church. So I really didn't grow up in that. And then when we came here, and I told you this before, when we came in middle school, I was living in Winchester. There was no church at the time in Winchester, so we'd have to drive an hour or so here. And as a middle schooler or high schooler, to drive one hour, to stay three hours, and to drive one hour back, and the three hours as a young kid was very painful for me. So I'm, like, five hours of my Sunday, and I'm like, why? And even if I was forced to go to the church on Sunday. I remember during middle school and high school, I would try to find any way to say, I got to use the bathroom. Don't, I'm going to watch if you guys do that here. Don't try that one here. I got to use the bathroom. And when you go to the bathroom, we come back towards the end and take communion. That was how me and my brother used to do it. So through middle school and high school, we were not part of the church either. So now you have pretty much my whole young age. I, was, I, I couldn't get the liturgy. Applied to college. The only college I got accepted in Virginia was George Mason University. And you know George Mason University is right next to another church, St. Mark's Church. And there was, during my college years, me and my brother, we both went to George Mason, we would go to the church towards the end, look in through the glass doors, see that they're almost done, and then go to the college meeting. We were okay with the college meeting, but not three hours of the church. So throughout college, I didn't really attend liturgy. If I did, it would be very... Very minimal. Okay, I'm not saying do any of this, what I'm saying today. I'm just telling you my experience. Okay, so through college, we would get to the church, look into the glass doors. It's almost done, thank God. Maybe or maybe not, we would take communion, and then we would go, we would go from there and just attend the college meeting. Then towards the end of the college life, into work, I was like, I see everybody's so excited inside liturgy. Everyone's so interested, and so many people are singing, and so many people are into it. Why are they into it? So I kept thinking to myself, let me figure out why they're so into the liturgy. So then from the glass door, I'd make my way to the back pew of the church and keep looking in, and then step by step, I kept being intrigued to see more and more what's inside the church. And it took years to come digging and inquiring, and learning, and questioning, and learning, until I understood more the beauty of the ancient faith, and more the beauty of the liturgy specifically. And I'm going to share very briefly today about that. I'm not going to try to give you today a detailed version of this. I'm just going to give you a very high-level version. The detailed version is actually on the ancient faith class this four-week session, so you guys go there. It's good timing that you get a general thing from me today, and a very specific thing with the ancient faith. What I want to say first is the greatest experiences in our lives are never without cost. 
What I mean by that is that if you want to get anything out of life, it's with a cost. If you want an education, you're going to have to study. If you want a great job, you're going to have to work. If you want to learn a sport, you're going to have to practice. If you want to learn an instrument, you're going to have to play it over and over and over again, and you're going to have to learn what's so great about it. And by the way, when you do anything in the beginning, it's not fun. It's not great. But once you learn, an like in the beginning of learning an instrument, it's just a bunch of noise that's very disturbing to the people in the house. But over time, it becomes a beautiful music. And I think that's what digging deeper into the ancient faith and into the treasure of the church and into our life in the liturgy, it's with a cost, right? It's never without cost. So the greatest experiences in your life, it costs you something, right? It costs you something. How much for your education? A lot of money. How much for... Um, like we're going, me and my family are going today after this, we're going to Disney World, taking the kids. I'll tell you, it costs something, guys. You guys have gone. It costs, and it's going to keep costing. They said there's even like, you can, not just a ticket to get in, if you want an express pass, you got to pay extra. I'm like, Disney, they know how to, anyways, let's not talk about that. We love Disney. Let's go on from there. So, before I get in trouble. But anyways, everything in life, you know, and I know, is never without cost. The same with our worship experience. What we do in the church on Sunday, this worship experience, it's, you're not going to gain that much unless it's, there's a cost. There's a cost to, to, to learn and to understand and to grow. And we're going to talk about that today. And really what I want to tell you is that there's three keys that I'm going to give you today. And it's on your handouts. I hope you have your handouts. If not, it's in the front. Three keys to unlock the treasures in the liturgy. Three keys to unlock the treasure. And I'm telling you, these three keys helped me in my life. You're talking about what I did. I've never been in liturgy throughout until probably after I went to college. But I'm telling you, the three things I'm sharing with you today are three things that I think that if, if you pay attention to them and practice them, it will help you too. The first treasure or key is understanding the goal of the liturgy. Now it sounds, what do you mean the goal? We come to liturgy, we stand, we say a bunch of prayers, we hear a bunch of Bible verses, we don't understand the goal. Like if I were to ask you the question, what's the goal of why you attended liturgy today? Well, this and that. You'll tell me a lot of things. But simply put, the goal, it's, let me show you this verse actually. This will help us get to the goal, Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. The goal of liturgy is to become like God. That's the way we're made. You didn't know that. When you come to liturgy, we, we're turning back to becoming like God again. He created us that way, and throughout our days outside, I'm telling you, it's pulling us away from becoming like God. That's how he designed us. So when you come to liturgy, you know what's happening? God is restoring the whole time. Now, that's not the end of it. Because if I were to ask you, how can I become like God again by being in liturgy? What's the connection? Okay? First of all, the goal is to become like God. To be in his image again. But how? Just standing in the liturgy, I become like God? I just stand like this in liturgy and I become like God? How does it work? Let's take it a step deeper. By the way, we want in liturgy our thoughts to be his thoughts. Like, we want his thoughts to kind of take over our thoughts. His desire take over our desire. His will take over our will. How do we fulfill this goal of becoming like God? We are united with God. Liturgy is a chance 
to become like God by being united with God. By the way, I want you to stay with me because I'm taking you step by step. We're in liturgy. It's a beautiful treasure to become like God again. His love, His forgiveness, His kindness, the way He is, the way we should be. But we have to be united. So the journey of liturgy is, is to be united with Him because once I'm united with God, I can become like God. It's harder than we think. It's harder than we think because there's something keeping us from the unity. What's keeping you from the unity with God? You know it and I know it. We know that separation. So the goal of, of Christian life is to become like God, the goal of liturgy. But there's something keeping me from that. It's keeping me from being united with him. And you know it and I know it. It's sin. Here's a few things that sin actually does. Sin causes our image to be distorted. Remember that image from Genesis? You were created in an image. It's distorted out there. It's distorted. Our minds are darkened. Our desire has been perverted. Our will has become weak. Our actions are confused. So when we say, go out there and live like Christians outside, all these things happen to us. Then we come to liturgy on Sunday, and God wants to restore, and God wants to heal, and God wants to repair all these things. God wants to return us back to his image again by being united with him in liturgy. That's the goal. Remember I said the first key is the goal? If we don't know why we come into church, we'll forget that. <coughs> so what do we do now? There's hope. <coughs> Even if our, our image is distorted, look what God is doing. God is still reaching out to us through his divine grace. That's what happens in liturgy, by the way. You see that hand? That's what happens every liturgy. <coughs> oh, every liturgy, sorry guys, excuse me. Every liturgy, God is reaching out to us through his divine grace. Thank you. But how? I want you to put this. You're coming to church. We want to be united with God. We want to return back to his image. But sin is distorting us. Outside, I'm not so kind. Outside, I kind of cut corners. Outside, I wasn't so forgiving. Outside, there was lust. There was impurities. But when you come to liturgy on Sunday, or whenever you attend liturgy, God is reaching out through his divine grace. How? How is he reaching out like that through his divine grace? I don't know if you know this or not, but every single sacrament in the church is God's divine grace reaching out. So when you attend liturgy on Sunday, that's the divine grace of God coming out saying, I know you have distorted. I know you have weakness. I know you have this. But I'm reaching out. It's like we're in quicksand. Every week, during the week, we're kind of like sinking in sand, right? And then we come on Sunday, and God says, let me lift you up. If you know that, you would come with a different spirit on Sunday. We're not coming on Sunday just to sing a couple hymns. We're not coming on Sunday just for routine. We're not coming on Sunday just to make yourself feel better that you attended liturgy. Oh, I feel better, I, I, I attended liturgy, I took communion. No. <laughs> One essential divine grace is the liturgy. 
we receive his divine presence. There's one bishop from Eastern Orthodox Church says this, the Holy Eucharist maintains and supports this spiritual life and health for the bread of life gives us the power to always remain on this higher level of living. This higher level of image of God. And God wants us to be here, in his, like united with him. All week we're sinking. We come to liturgy, he restores us to this higher level of living. Guys, I want to say this clearly. There's no way you can be loving to your family unless God is the key ingredient to that. There's no way you can be forgiving or patient. There's no way. Unless it's through the divine grace of God. Liturgy is a huge component to make us like he is. Christ came to make us like he is, to give us his character, to give us his love, kindness, forget all those things. So when you stand in liturgy, sinking from a problem or sinking from a sin, there's a hand reaching out to you every single liturgy to restore you and to restore me. That's what's happening, to live a higher way. So let's remember the goal, becoming like him by uniting with him. So now if I ask you, hey guys, what's the goal of being in liturgy today? You should say what? Be like him by uniting with him. Can we say that together? What's the goal of liturgy, guys? To? One more time. To? That's your goal. Did you know that? Did you know that if you're sinking or if you're, if you're down or if you're... If you have anger, if you have an anger problem, if you have a weakness towards watching things bad, you have a weakness in general, this is the place to be. There's a goal to become like him by uniting with him, and that's the goal of liturgy, but that's only the first treasure. I want you to understand the second key. This is in your handouts. Understand the structure of liturgy. Now, what does that have to do with anything? You understand the goal. The goal is what? Become like him by uniting with him. That's the goal. You come into liturgy to become like him. You can't be anything out there to people, to your family, to your friends, unless here there's a big component to change this. But another key, key number two, is understand the structure of liturgy. What does that have to do with anything? The structure, uh, this is first, this is next, this is next. Who cares? Why do you need the structure? Just let me come to church, and when the deacon starts singing, I'll sing. When there's a Bible reading, I'll be there. That's fine. I don't need to know the structure. What does the structure have to do with anything? How can you benefit from knowing which comes first, which comes second? I'm glad you asked. Well, let me ask you a question. I don't know about you, but I remember a long time ago when I first watched American football, and I want you to tell me your experience. The first time you watched American football, did you say this thing was easy? It's understandable. First of all, why do they call it football? Does anybody have any idea? It's not football. All it is is a bunch of guys jumping on top of each other, beating each other up. That's all it is. American football is not football. Football is a thing that's around the world called soccer. But American football, honestly, they shouldn't even call it. So when I first learned about American football a long time ago, I'm like, all I see here is they say hike, and all of a sudden there's like 20 people on top of each other, right? What's the point? And people who are trying to teach me said, no, no, let me explain to you. This is the offensive lineman, this is the defensive lineman, this is the wide receiver, this is the running back, this is the quarterback, this is the position, this is how you do it, this is the play, it goes like that. And it's like, so I said, that's too much information. There's a first down, second down, third down, fourth down. I was like, that's too much information. 
Anyways, I started watching. I said, this is boring. I watched this as boring. And anybody who's ever seen American football for the first time recently, you understand what I'm saying. Or any sport that you like, cricket or something. You're like, what's going on here? This is fake baseball, this cricket. Anyways, so anyways, when you look at... I'm just joking, guys. Please. My point is, when you understand something, you start to love it. Actually, one of my favorite sports outside of basketball would be American football right now. I love it. But you have to know the structure. You have to know what's going on. You have to know how it works. If you don't know how it works, all it is is hike, and then everybody's on top of each other. Next one, hike, everyone's on top of each other. It's like, this is the most, that's all it is. That's what it looks like from the outside. And sometimes liturgy looks like that. It's like, this hand, boop, and this hand here, and people down, and people up, and people, why is everybody getting up and down? What's all this stuff going on? That's how liturgy looks like for people the first time. So understanding the structure of liturgy makes a huge difference. So I'm going to go through basically Sunday morning, not everything. Guys, I'm not going to go through everything. That's the ancient faith class. Attend those. Let me go through the basic structure and tell you why it's important for you. First thing is, by the way, in the morning, around 8.30 in the morning, there's something called matins. Something called what? Matins. Something called? Matins is a place where you come in, start with Thanksgiving prayer, there's some hymns. You know what Abuna does in the matins? He prepares something. He prepares the? Right up here, he prepares the? The altar. I put all the, the veils in the right place. So as I'm preparing the altar, and as the morning matins is so important. So if you, like you're saying, what's the point of, let me come as late as possible. The morning matins at 8.30 prepares the soil of my heart. As Abuna is preparing the altar, your heart, your altar is your heart. Your, your, is for being prepared. So we have some hymns. And we have some, some readings. Time of preparation. If you want to go from earth to heaven which is what liturgy is. Do you think you can do it right after the gospel or right during the gospel and then jump into communion after that? No. Let me be honest with you today. It needs time of preparation. That's why, by the way, preparation actually starts the night before in vespers and midnight praises and then matins in the morning. But I'm just starting with the morning just to kind of show you the point. Why is the structure important for you to know? Because the first thing in the morning at 8.30, we start preparing our heart. So what's coming later at the end will make sense. You can't, go to the finish line without running the race. Isn't that true? I know sometime recently there was a marathon. I don't know if you heard this. I think it was the Boston Marathon. The lady, she took a taxi and then got to the finish line and then she got, and she got in trouble. She's like, how did she finish so fast? Well, she cut corners. And that's true. It happened. Don't try that, guys, in a race. Okay, that's not, that's not really honest. But that's what we're trying to... Like, we can't start this race at the end and say, I'm finished. I took communion. No. There's a preparation. Why is structure important? Because we need a time for our heart to be prepared. What happens after that? There's a part where Nabuna is standing there with the deacons and he's selecting the lamb. You guys know that when they're holding the, the, the basket and Nabuna is selecting. This is the offering of lamb. Jesus is offering himself to us. Guess what we should do back? We should offer our heart to God as well. God is offering himself. So we prepared our heart and now we're offering our heart. And God is actually the one doing the offering. So when God is saying, I offer myself to you, we say, okay, God, you offer yourself to me? I offer myself to you too, God. See how beautiful that is? That's what's happening. If you miss that, you're missing the offering of the lamb. He's offering himself to us. Why would you miss Jesus offering himself? It's like missing the most important part is he's offering. He's preparing that offering. And we do the same in our heart. So now we have matins and offering of lamb. What are the two parts? The first one was what? Matins. The first one was what? Preparing our what? Preparing our heart, the soul of our heart. Second one is offering of lamb, which is now I'm offering my heart to God, as he's offering himself to us. 
Don't miss that part either. Now, let's say you happen to miss those two parts. What's next? Something called liturgy of the word. What do you think happens during this time? It's pretty self-explanatory. It's now that my heart is soft from matins, God says I'm offering myself to you. Now actually he plants himself in us through his word. Plants his word in my heart. I, I beg you not to miss this part of liturgy. Because you know during this part we go through the Pauline epistle, the Catholic epistle, Acts, the Synexarium, the Psalm, the Gospel. All these things are planting in our soil that was prepared earlier. If you miss this, you miss a big chunk again. No, it's hard to get my kids up early, but our kids need to come early to also be prepared for this part. God is planting himself in us. There's a great story. You know those two disciples after Jesus died on the cross? They went on the road to Emmaus. They were on the road and they were with Jesus, but they didn't know it was Jesus. Listen to what happened there. I want you to see this. Those two disciples said, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? What happened when Jesus opened the scripture to those two disciples? What happened to them? What happened to them? Their heart was what? Burning. You know what that means? God was what? Cleaning, purifying. You know what the, the, the Bible does for us when you come early and you listen to it? If you're paying attention is every word is now purifying our heart. That's what happens. I don't know if you know this story, but they couldn't see Jesus until this was the beginning. It's first the word of God was purifying their heart, burning in their heart. Later on, they took communion. The same two disciples took communion with Jesus and their eyes were opened. Now, this is a very good story to tell you. Your eyes will not be opened clearly without the word of God being planted. Now, the reason I'm saying this, I'm not saying God can't do that, but a lot of times we focus on the communion and not the journey. You can't run a race and just start from the finish line. You won't get anything out of it. Like if you've crossed the finish line and say, woo, I did it, but you only ran like two minutes in a marathon. Did you get anything out of it? Okay, you got to the end, you got a trophy. You got communion. But you missed the whole journey. Matins prepares my heart. Offering, I'm offering you my heart, God, right? Liturgy of the word. It's purifying, it's burning, it's preparing. It's like, it's mixing something there. Don't miss that. And don't let, let the readings be there and just like dazed. No, pay attention, God, what do you want to say to me? What is it that in your word? There's a point to every part of the structure of liturgy. Now we have, first one was what? First section was? All together, guys. First part was? What was the point of matins? To what? Bear my heart. What was the second one? Offering of lamb. Jesus is offering us and we're offering our heart. Third one, which is what now in our heart? Planting and purifying, right? See how the journey of liturgy is important? So understanding the structure is important. Understand the goal to be like him, to be united with him. Understand the structure, that's important too, guys. You have to know what's, the, what's next, what's next. So you know that it's so important. What's after that? The final piece. After the sermon, there's something called liturgy of the faithful. It unites my heart to God by unity with others. It's a unity. Do you know what happens in the liturgy of the faithful? Do you know the first thing that happens? Something called the prayer of 
Who knows? The first part. Reconciliation. So you know the first part of Liturgy Faithful is I'm saying that God, I want to be reconciled to you, but I also want to be reconciled with my brothers and sisters. You see how important this is? How can I be connected to you? How can I take communion with you if I'm still upset with my brothers and sisters, right? If you had a fight at home, fix that fight. That's why you see people say, you know, you know, it says greet one another with a holy kiss. You're, you're, this is not just like a fun act activity. It's like saying to your brother, forgive me. Forgive me. Peace and grace. You know, we, we kind of like fix things with each other. Not pretend. Like, you know the worst thing we can do in liturgy is, yes, yes, okay, sorry, you know. For, like, what? No, we're not doing this. It's not a ritual. It's genuine. Liturgy of faithful unites my heart to God and others. So if I want to be united with God, guys, if I want to be united with God and you want to be united with God, we have to be united with each other. You can't say, no, God, I'm taking communion from you. But I don't care about my brother or sister. I don't, whatever, wait, wait till later. No, go and fix. It actually says, go and leave the altar and go fix that situation you have. Then come back. So that's important. That liturgy of the faithful unites my heart with God. There's even a part called the epiclesis. I'm not worried about the names for you, but that's when the Holy Spirit comes down. I spoke about that to you before. When the Holy Spirit comes down, where do you think it's coming down? It's coming down on the bread and wine into body and blood, but it's also the Holy Spirit is ignited in us. Liturgy of the faithful is, I am removing anything keeping me from God, which is if I have any fights with somebody else. Holy Spirit's coming down to transform me as he's transforming the body and blood. And then we start to pray the seven litanies. You know what a litany is? It's just a prayer. I'm praying for the whole world. I'm praying for the Pope, the bishops, the priest. I'm praying for the, everybody in the world. Why? Because liturgy of the faithful unites my heart to God by unity with others. I need to pray for the Pope. I need to pray. Why am I praying for the Pope, the bishop, the priest, the everybody, the sick, the orphan? Why am I praying for it? Because if I want to be united with God, I need to pray for my brothers and sisters. I need to be united with my brothers. That's the seven litanies. Then there's a commemoration of saints. What do the saints have to do with us? How is, what do they have to do with us? We're the same church. We're here, they're there, but it's one church. That's part of our unity, is that I'm united with my brothers and sisters up. And we're going to talk about that next week, so stay tuned about friendship with the saints next week. But the point is, all the liturgy the faithful is doing is uniting me with the goal of holy communion. But wait a minute. Matins preparing my heart. Offering of lamb, offer my heart as God is offering himself. Liturgy word, plants his word in my heart and purifies me. Liturgy of the faithful, unites me with God, removes anything I have against my brother. So then at the end, I can take holy communion and it makes sense. Holy communion by itself will not do anything for you. Because some people say, oh, but I took communion, nothing happened. Well, tell me about your journey today. Did you do, like, so understanding the structure you understand what's the point. Understand the goal. You better understand the goal. I'm here to become like God and be united with him. That's the goal. How? You have to understand the structure. These things are preparing my heart, planting my heart, purifying my heart, so that at the end, when I take communion, I'm fully united with God himself. That being said, those are two of the keys to understand the structure Understand the goal, understand the structure. The third and final one is to understand how to live the liturgy. This is probably the most important one, right? You definitely need to know the goal. The structure helps because it tells you, wait, I need to come early. This is happening early, I better attend. Now I want to tell you how to understand to live the liturgy. 
This is important. Every single person in the church is important for this piece. All of us are important. The priests, the deacons, the laity, all the congregation were equally important. Because I'm in the front as a priest doesn't mean I get a bigger blessing. Actually, the word liturgy, you know it. I'm just going to refresh your memory. The liturgy in Greek means work of the people. It doesn't say work of the priest. Did you see that? So it's our work as collective. All of us are working. When it says work, what do you got to do? Are you sweating? Are you... We're going to explain that. It means that the church has to work. In what area? I'm going to explain right now. Stanley Harakis, that book we gave away today, Living the Liturgy, he said something really amazing. He said, if you're in church just doing a ritual, listen to what he said, if you're in church just doing a ritual, it's not only a waste of time, but it's blasphemy. You're not in church just to kill time. You're not in church just to fill your time, make yourself feel better that I attended church and I attended liturgy and I took communion. You're not in for a ritual. There's more to that. But many people say, Abuna, liturgy should be shorter. And I want to tell you something. I agree. It should be shorter in watching the liturgy. It should be shorter being disconnected with the liturgy. It should be shorter in just doing routine in liturgy. Yes, I agree, that should be shorter. Not the time, but the way we address the liturgy. That should be shorter. Because I can't say I want to be shorter time in heaven. Why would I tell you, Abuna, let's make it shorter. It could be everybody can attend. Shorter time in heaven? No, I want more time in heaven. Shorter time worshiping God? No, I don't think we worship God enough. Shorter time in His presence? You know the answer to that one. Shorter time being healed? We must live the liturgy by participating in liturgy. Guys, the worst thing you can do when you come to church is watch. It's not a movie. It's participate. I told this last night to the kids. I'll tell it to you, whoever attended last night. I said, Abuna does a couple things when he's going around with the censor. Two, two main things. And I told this to the kids yesterday. They were surprised when I said it. He's going around praying for you and asking prayers for you. That's what the priest does when he goes around. But he's also watching you. And he's watching to see if you're participating. And I have to be honest and forgive me and I know that, hey, we have to be reconciled or we shouldn't take communion after this, so let's be reconciled. <laughs> but most of us are not participating. We're watching. Every time there's a part in the liturgy, you must participate. When it's a, and we'll go through them together now. Now, the one that I know that you do participate in is this one. We need active participation in receiving Holy Communion. That's the goal. I put it first because that's the goal. Every time we must partake of communion, every time you're in the church, you must end with the communion. It's like Jesus inviting you to a banquet, and we said, no, I can't manage. No, you attend the banquet. I came late, then come early. Okay? It's like, so whatever reasons we have, let's put that away. We all need active participation. To live the liturgy, you must participate in liturgy. That's how you live. He's the center. And the first one is active participation by receiving this treasure. We consider the pearl of great price. You know, in the Bible it says, 
I sell all my possessions to buy this land because it has a treasure. That's kind of what we do on Sunday. Everything is put aside. And the most important thing for me is coming to church and enjoying liturgy. And at the end goal, this treasure I will receive. The second act of participation is by being the church. That's a little bit confusing. What do you mean being the church? means that outside the church, we have to separate from outside because um, what we heard today in the sermon is that we're kind of, we should be strangers outside. We should be citizens here. And being the church means I am fully dedicated and fully committed to the church life. And not just coming to the church, but becoming the church, which is my whole life is centered around the church. My, 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 my worship is here. My friendships, like it, we need the church to survive. So you become the church and, and separate from outside. Even St. Isaiah the Anchorite says, if a man doesn't, doesn't put aside every work of this present world, he cannot worship God. This is so true, right? How can we worship God when we're too busy, connected, and overconnected, and overworried, and with everything in the world? So we got to put aside the things outside and say, I'm coming to worship you. I'm becoming the church. I'm being the church. So you have to be active by receiving communion and being a part of the church life. Number three is a very interesting one that you would say, Abuna, I do that. And I just told you, when I go around, I go around during the time of the hymns. I'm praying and watching, okay? Sing. You know what Eucharist means? The thing you take at the end, the communion, you know what Eucharist means? It means thanksgiving. When you come to church, your worship should be a Eucharist. I'm thanking God. I'm praising God. Appreciating God. So you sing with the top of your lungs. Don't worry about how it sounds. From your heart, everything. But you must be singing and responding. We must be doing a Eucharist, because that's what we're going to take at the end, communion. But Eucharist means thanksgiving. And when it's time to say, Lord, have mercy, let me ask you guys a question. Don't we need God's mercy? Let's be honest. We need God's mercy. So when it's time to say, Lord, have mercy, maybe you said it so many times in your life, you say, well, I don't have to say it again. No, you say it again, because, guys, we're asking God's mercy on us. We have so much challenges. We have so many things that we're going through. Even sins that are trying to distort our image. Remember the goal. We need God's mercy. So when it's time to say, Lord have mercy, let's say, Lord have mercy. Let's be active in saying every single part of the liturgy. I don't know the song. Then sing it and you'll learn. I don't know the tune. It's okay. It'll come along. But you sing with your mouth and as St. John Chrysostom says here, we must respond with our mouth, but also our mind and heart. That means your mouth is singing, your mind knows what you're singing, and your heart is worshiping God. They're all three connected. That's what we do in liturgy. If that's not happening, then let's ask God, say, God, I'm sorry, I haven't been worshiping you the right way. Let me go back to my mouth must be moving. My mind should know what I'm saying. Do you ever sing? You don't know what your mind is saying? Did that ever happen to you? It happens to me all the time. I have to slow myself down. Say, what am I saying right now? You know? And then my heart will click into place and say, I worship you, God. Have mercy on me, God. Create me a clean heart, God. I praise you, God. And so forth. We have a true Eucharist. We have a true celebration in liturgy. And then our, we must be active participants by keeping our body senses active. This is the part in the Orthodox Church that I love. You know, and, and as we get our church building, eventually it will even be more vivid when you have the icons and you have the incenses with no limits because sometimes we're worried about fire alarms, but the incense will be going and the icons will be going and 
You can see the icons, you smell the incense, you can hear the deacon singing, you're singing, you can, your sound is... So now the, you, can, you, can, you have the Bible readings and prayers and you're, you're reading the Bible or you're listening to the Bible. All your senses are there. Even at the end, you taste the Holy Communion, right? You're tasting. You're bowing. There's times when you bow before the king. By the way, when you bow, it's not sleep time. It's your bowing actually before God. It's a, it's a form of worship. When you bow down, and we kind of sit down here, but it's really bowing, and you're bowing before a king. All your body is being... That's participation. When there's a part where it says, lift up your hearts to the Lord, we say we have them with the Lord, right? They're with the Lord. See how it's... Look, guys, liturgy is a full body experience, like it says there. Another way to be active participant is by being prayerful in every part of liturgy. I know that sounds weird, but I'm telling you one thing that was a game changer for me. This is when my priest told me, every part of liturgy, pray it. I'm like, Abun, I'm praying liturgy. What do you mean? No, pray every part of liturgy. Don't just stand there. Don't just sing. Don't just, even when the, the, the readings come in the Bible, when you're listening to the Bible, be praying. Say, God, what is it that you want to say to me? You pray every part of liturgy. Be prayerful in every part of liturgy. This is important. And the last one is active participant by living the liturgy outside. What? We can do liturgy outside? Yes. You ever hear something called the liturgy after the liturgy? It's now that you receive the light of the world. You take that outside to your family, your friends, your community, your work, your whatever. You serve outside. That's why earlier we heard that our job in the church is to serve and to do mission and to help the community. It's not by action. It's not just by giving food to the homeless. It's by giving them Christ that we experienced in liturgy. You came to liturgy preparing your heart, preparing your mind, planted inside his word. You received communion. We're now in his image. We take that and we go outside with it. That's living the liturgy. Sometimes we are so tired on Sunday, we just want to get through it. I understand. But we can never say, I didn't get anything out of liturgy unless we put in the right components. Understand the goal, understand the structure, and participate by living the liturgy. We must live the liturgy. I'm going to give this one last quote that I read from a book recently, and then, then we're done. Liturgical worship, I want you to follow along. This is really, really nice. Liturgical worship is like a refining fire. It never goes out. God shines forth in, in, in all his glory. When I come to it, I must yield to God who is revealed in it. I speak the words he commands. I sing the songs he calls forth. I pray the prayer he enjoins me to pray. What he desires, I must adhere to. What he wants done, I must do. There's no room for concern over myself or my wants. What is this worship other than an opportunity for me to become like Christ? This worship we do in liturgy is a fire refining me. It never goes out. It's always speaking to me. It's always working in me. God wants me to pray. God wants me to sing. But he doesn't want me to have room for my desires and concerns. He wants me, the main thing is why I worship is to become like Christ. And that brings us full circle back to the three things 
that can unlock the treasure as we dig deeper into liturgy is understand the goal of liturgy. You know the goal. Become like him by uniting with him. Understand the structure. Preparing my heart. Planting my heart. Uniting my heart. Understand how to live. Live is participation. Participate, participate, participate in liturgy. These are the things that will help us enjoy the treasures in, in the liturgy. Let's pray for this, and glory be to God forever. Amen. Let's stand for prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, Lord, for this chance to unite with you every Sunday. We do need your mercy. We do need your grace. We're so thankful for what you've given us every Sunday. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to be loving and forgiving and kind. Lord, we have anger, we have lust, we have challenges inside of us. Come and purify us. Help us to understand what this liturgy is all about, how to participate in it, how to, how to live it. Let not liturgy be an absence of your presence, Lord. Let it, liturgy be a true time in your presence, enjoying your presence, singing and praising you and thanking you. You deserve all the honor and glory. Thank you for the church here. Thank you for the, those who, who could make it. Please bring them, Lord, and, and, and work in them and work in us all as a church body. We love you and thank you for helping us to dig deeper in the treasures you've given us in this church. We're so grateful for the church you've given us. Please forgive us our sins. Help us to be like you. We ask all this in your name, section of St. Mary, St. Mark, St. Peter, St. Paul, all the saints, Lord, hear us as we thankfully say, Our Father. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us. Christ is our Lord, for thine is the kingdom and the power. May love of God the Father, grace of his only begotten Son, gift and fellowship of the Holy Spirit with you all. Go in peace. May the peace of the Lord be with you. Amen.